Every year in the NFL, it's a new team. As far as goals go, we have one. Putting the ring on our finger. Welcome to the Buccaneers Observer Podcast. This is Ralph Phillips. I'm Molly Bay. Today is March 3rd, 2021. Still feeling that Super Bowl. Uh, you know, good feeling. What do you call it? Super High. Bowl. Super Bowl High. There you go. We get to carry this all the way through the year. Most likely all the way through next year, too. <laughs> we're just drunk on Super Bowl. like it. I like it. So we're going to talk about that today. What's our team going to look like next year? No. No? We're talking about what it looked like last year. Oh, what it looked like last wrap year. Up. Yeah, we're not yeah. done with last year yet. Yeah, well, we're going to talk about who we think is going to be getting the cut with free agency a little bit and everything. Uh, we got a little bit of news for you. Hopefully, we'll be able to get to that. We're going to try not to make this podcast an hour and a half long, so I'm not going to sit here and run my mouth for too long. Uh, but we do have some fact checks and follow-ups. We were not batting a thousand last time, huh? No. <laughs> well, most of these are just follow-ups. There's only one fact check, okay. really. All right, follow-up. Uh, John Mulchin, he's from Boise State. He's one of our backup offensive linemen. His name is pronounced Mole Chong. Okay. You were asking about that. All right. All right. Now we know. I'll forget it next time. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Mulchin? Follow up. Jameis Winston rushed for 250 yards on 59 attempts in 2019 with the Bucs. We talked about how our uh, the 2020 rushing total was 1,519 yards, team total. And in 2019, it was 1,521 yards. So that was two yards difference from 2019 to 2020. Now, Brady had 30 yards rushing on 30 attempts. So, like, two yards a game. Well, <laughs> Less th- than two yards. I think a lot of that, they count kneel downs, too. Oh. So, he had a lot of so kneel downs. Lost, but you lose yards on a kneel down. Yes, but sometimes he'll step forward. You know, mm-hmm. James Winston used to do that, too, where they'll step forward to try not to lose a yard. Uh, but the the point being is that Jameis Winston counted for 16% of our rushing, rushing total in 2019. Wow. Yeah. So we were talking about how it just seemed weird that we didn't have more rushing yards this year. Our running backs did. Yeah. So there's that. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. He had, that was a lot of running yards. 200 and some, you said? Yeah. Yeah. 200. Wow. For a quarterback? That's mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, for a quarterback, that's not. Build as a running quarterback. Of course, he probably had four or five thousand when if you just kind of sideline to sideline him scrambling around in the backfield. <laughs> or going backwards. Like, how many did he lose? I just want to hear, like, how many did he actually run physically? Yeah. Follow up. No, Mike Evans was not ejected for the hit on Lattimore in the game against New Orleans three years ago in 2017. He was suspended one game without pay, though. Uh, he that was, was a, the following game. Yes. He was ejected in 2016, week 17, against the Panthers for, quote, disrespectfully addressing an official. Oh, get out of here. This was after he did not get a DPI call on Josh Norman in the end zone. But this only happened with less than two minutes left. We were out of the game. So no big deal. I wish I could just eject people who are disrespectful to me. (laughs) I'd never be able to stay in the house. I know. (laughs) All right, follow-up. T.J. Logan, he was put on IR for a torn patellar tendon during practice in August. Oh. Linebacker Quentin Bell tackled him from behind during a non-tackling period, which led to the ire of both offensive and defensive players, as well as Coach Arians. I remember that. Mm-hmm. And I was that when uh, Mike Evans yep. chewed him out? Yep. And it was just the whole thing. Okay, I remember yep. that now. Mike Evans, JPP. I think Sue even got in on it. You can't do that, man. This is non-tackling. All right. Follow-up. Pat McAfee is pronounced McAfee. 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 McAfee or McAfee? It's McAfee. Yeah, it's McAfee. McAfee. I'm just confused now. You said it both ways. (laughs) (laughs) Like I had it the first way you said it, and then you said something completely different the second time. And you're like, yeah, yeah, McAfee, Mac- McAfee, 
Like the McAfee. like the antivirus. Exactly, exactly, exactly like the antivirus. McAfee. I'm not going to remember that next time because you said oh, it no. two ways. And what did I say the first time? McAfee. McAfee. No. That's it. McAfee. 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 Yeah. McAfee. McAfee. <laughs> God, Jesus. No. Oh, I've got it even laid we out were here. Watching, we watched Ted Lasso, and it's like when words become sounds <laughs> and you get stuck in your head because it turns into a sound. That's what just happened here. So we just need to move on because I don't, uh, it's not sticking. McAfee. McAfee. <laughs> McAfee. Yes. Not McAfee. It's McAfee. McAfee. All right, follow-up. The nickname Playoff Lenny was coined after the wildcard game against the Washington football team where he started and had 19 carries for 93 yards, one touchdown, four catches for 39 yards. It was Dan Big Cat Cats and PFT commentator from the Pardon My Take podcast that came up with the nickname. Joe Buck used it in the broadcast during the NFC Championship against the Packers and gave Big Cat a shout-out. Uh, Fournette then used it after the Super Bowl in a sports reporter interview. So I thought it was something that had to do with, you know, his previous play. I didn't know it was this playoff. Yeah, it was just weird. They just started calling him Playoff Lenny, and I was like, hmm. where'd that come from? I so had no idea. It came from a commentator. Mm-hmm. Even better. Okay. Fact check. Molly said that Claire was out all year on ins- Injured reserve, he was not. Anthony Alclair was put on injured reserve in September after week one for a sustained calf injury. However, he came back November 2nd, week eight, against the Giants, and he was active the rest of the season. Really? Yeah. He had no catches all year, though. Wow. They must have just used him on special teams. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, another fact check. I had said that Evans did not get a catch in the Super Bowl. I had misspoken. He did get a catch. I meant that he did not get a touchdown. I had said I wish that he had gotten a catch in the Super Bowl because he'd been. What I meant was he would have gotten a touchdown. We were talking about how Gronkowski and Antonio Brown, all the new guys, got the touchdowns, and I wanted to see Mike Evans get one. But he was a good, great trooper for it. All right, fact check. What is Tom Brady's record for interceptions? Now, we get, we keep going back and forth on this, but we, we're right. It's 14, and he did that three times, 2002, 2004, and 2005. Now, he threw 12 with the Bucks this year, but none of that includes the postseason. Fact check or follow-up. Here's a follow-up. Who was it that Joe Namath hit on while he was drunk on live TV? It was Susie Colbert. Oh, I was going to say, and that's yeah. what I was going to guess, just because she's like the oldest one that I can remember that she's I know of. She's old? I she's mean, been she's doing it forever. She's not old, but like of all the female reporters, I think she's the oldest one. Yeah, well, that happened in 2003 in the Jets versus Patriots game, December 20th, 2003. All right, what team does Deion Sanders coach now? Oh, yeah, we were debating whether yeah. it was... College high or high school, school. Or whatever it is, college. He, he's uh, coaching the Jackson State Tigers college football in the NCAA Division One in Mississippi. Who, who said it was college? I, I I think we didn't know. I think we both concluded it was high school. Did you really? Yeah, I thought it was high school. I knew that. Okay. All right. Last one. Follow up. You had asked if Thaddeus Lewis was an ex-player. Now Thaddeus Lewis used to be a intern for the Buccaneers, a coaching intern last year, and he's been promoted to wide receiver, assistant wide receivers coach. So I guess he's getting paid now. I don't know if he got paid as an intern. But, uh, yes, he was a quarterback. He started six games in his career, one with the Browns in 2012, five with the Bills in 2013. He was signed with Houston in 2014, but he never played. That was really recent. That was more recent than I thought it was. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. All but right. supposedly he knows Antonio Brown, like him and Antonio Brown are close. Well, that makes sense, yeah. He's wide receiver's coach now, assistant wide receiver's coach. Mm-hmm. So he took the position of, who was it you had said in the last podcast? Antoine Randall L. Antoine Randall L, yeah. Why are all these ex-quarterbacks being wide receiver's coaches? I know, isn't that weird? Just so they can yell at him probably. But it does seem like quarterbacks uh, the the position does kind of seem like they they switch from both like who was uh Terrell Pryor 
He was a quarterback in college, came to the NFL, switched to wide receiver. It does seem like they yeah. frequently kind of go back and forth. Yeah. It does seem like it's a a, a turnstile type positions. And because like because they've worked together so much. Yeah, and there are a lot of wide receivers who have experience playing college, so they're like the way like fifth string quarterback in case there's like a catastrophic event, there's a lot of uh, wide receiver, or I, it seems like a lot of teams have wide receivers where they can use like for plan X, Y, Z if mm-hmm. they need to. All right, you're gonna get into uh, our defense. Last year, what 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 are we calling this? The look back year in review. Year in review. Year in review. Going on the defense now. The Let's de- do it. Yeah. Okay. So. Let's start with our outside linebackers, who I feel like are kind of our studs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This year on the roster, we had JPP, Anthony Nelson, Shaquille Barrett, and Cam Gill. I did not realize we had so little depth there at that position. But it was different from 2009. We had lost in two... 2009. 2019, we had lost, of course, Carl Nassib, which was a sad one, went to mm-hmm. Oakland or Las Vegas to the Raiders. Uh, Cousin Daniels, remember him? Vaguely. You liked him. And then Sam Acho, who hmm. Sam Acho and his brother Emmanuel are two like big personalities in the NFL. It's very weird. Mm hmm. One of them is going to host The Bachelor or The Bachelorette or really? a, a, not, not the, the main show, but like a side like reunion show. I think I don't know. It was a very, very weird, but it just made me think a little sidebar there. Our free agents in this group are Shaq Barrett. That's like it. So if we can keep this group together, that would be phenomenal. Yeah, if we've we got can. JPP. Anthony Nelson, Cam Gill, Shaq Barrett. Yeah. Shaq Barrett's the only one. Yes. Which, man, we God, I really hope we keep him. But, the, you know, I don't want to break the bank with the guy. I don't want to keep him and lose seven other guys. I know. Like, what do you do? Yeah. They'll, they'll figure something out, man. They'll figure something out. The I would say our main storyline with this group is that Shaq Barrett did not get the sacks that he got in his first year with the Buccaneers. The yes, first he, year, he had 19 and a half. Mm-hmm. This year, he only had eight. Yes, well, like I said, they, you know, you know, I constantly pointed out all year, they used him a lot differently. They were dropping him back in the coverage around 20% of the time. It was very strange. You got a you bug know, in your shirt? No, it's just all crooked. So oh, I'm gotcha. Trying okay. to straighten it up. I know we got these <laughs> a little concerned. some people that are OCD and they freak out when things aren't balanced, right? <laughs> Uh, so, you know, 19 and a half sacks in 2019, and then he had how many this year? Eight. Eight this year. It's a huge drop-off. Huge like drop-off. They played him different, you know. And, of course, teams were queuing on him a bit, too. Yeah, I would say that they were more prepared for him this year. I think he definitely, last year, benefited from flying under under the radar. Mm-hmm. But hey, let's make no mistakes about it. I mean, the guy was crucial to our game. He he played great. You know, he didn't get the numbers, but, you know, he was there. He was pressuring all the time, and you know, he's, just, he's just a great football player. I mean, he had other stats. He had 11 TFLs. The team had 91 total. So, And he led for the outside linebackers in that stat. JPP was the next with seven. So, and he played, Shaq Barrett played one fewer game than everyone else. Remember, he was a close contact in week 17 mm-hmm. for COVID, so he wasn't able to play. So he didn't play week 17, neither did Devin White, right? Right. And he also got 16 quarterback hits. So he didn't get the sacks, but he was there and he was impactful. And he only had 77% of the snaps. So he wasn't playing. Yeah. You know, JPP had 88%. But hmm. again, he had another game than Shaq did. So 
it's kind of a back and forth between the two of them, like who was more productive. You know, like JPP mm-hmm. has the sacks, but Shaq Barrett has the TFLs and the quarterback hits. JPP has the interceptions. He had two interceptions this year. He's the only outside linebacker to get an interception. And then JPP had six passes defended. Like, how does that happen? No one, uh, Shaq had three. Anthony Nelson had one. And then JPP had four forced fumbles. The team had 15. So he had four of them. And then one a game. Yeah. And Shaq had two. So they kind of go back and forth. And then Shaq had our only safety. The team had one safety. It was Shaq Barrett. Safeties are hard to get, man. I know. Oh, I know. They're rare. Yeah. I think in fantasy football, they should be counted like 10 points. Right? I know. That's why so I felt like sacks, you know, you, you get a sack in fantasy football, your defense, and you get like a point. Like, no, nah, it should be like five points because they're so rare. Sacks? Yeah. Yeah. Relatively. Two or three again. Two. If you're the Buccaneers. <laughs> right. <laughs> We had a total sacks for the year. We had 48. I know. So we so. had 48 sacks and we gave up 27? 22, I think. 22? Gosh. Yeah, 22. Whoa, that's a huge disparity. Mm-hmm. And so I we, think oh. last year was the reverse. It was not. We ha- I think we gave up like 40-some sacks yeah, last year. Sacks. We talked about this last mm-hmm. time. Jameis. I know. Uh, the total we allowed, and this is for the team in general, we allowed 42 touchdowns this year. We had 10 rush touchdowns, 24 receiving touchdowns we allowed. And then we also had two pick sixes and a punt return for a touchdown. Hmm. So, um, anything else you want to say about the outside linebackers? Uh, JPP and Shaquille Barrett are just awesome. They are a great duo. JPP brings so much, so much to this team. I mean, he's just a beast. He's he's unrelenting. He doesn't. He he's like the Terminator. You know, blow off his arm, literally, and he's still gonna play. You break <laughs> his neck, he's still gonna play. You know. Well, and he said, you know, he had knee surgery. And he said he played at 70% this season, mm-hmm. which is just incredible. And the dude never complains. I mean, and yeah. he was. He was on the injury report every week for that knee. Mm-hmm. And you, you never heard a word about it, and it never seemed to slow him down. So. Now, that Cam Gill, I brought this up after watching the All-22 you know, he had a couple snaps in that game, and you know, throughout the season he would get a snap here and there, but he's going to be something special. He, he's a little undersized, kind of like Shaq Barrett, you know, a little undersized, but damn, he's fast, man. He is extremely fast for an outside linebacker. So, yeah, they he only played in 12 games or dressed for 12 games. He, mm-hmm. d- he didn't start any of them, and he only got 22 snaps the whole season. Yeah, and, and that's, that's one of the things, you know, I, I – kind of keep a keep track of percentage you know what how often do play players make good plays compared to how often they get to play and you know when you got a guy that's out there like say levante david he's out there for 100 percent of the snaps and he makes we'll say five good plays a game you know so that's five percent right he makes a play on five percent of his snaps then you get somebody like Cam Gill, and I'm I'm just making these numbers up. This has nothing to do. This is giving an example. You get Cam Gill, he gets 20 snaps all year long, and he makes five plays out of that 20. You know, that's what 25 percent. You know, he's making plays on 25 percent of his time. So it's it's a way I like to look at football. You know, what guys are making plays with their opportunities, and Cam Gill is one of those guys. It seems like he's making plays every chance he gets out there. Uh, Another one is, who was it? Uh, Was it Quentin Bell? No, Khalil Davis. Yeah, Khalil Mm -hmm. Davis. So we'll be talking about that here in a second. Yeah. But Cam Cam Gill seems like he's got a bright future ahead of him for us. 
And in your opinion, if we really need to sign Shaq Barrett back, but if we don't, mm -hmm. Cam Gill could be serviceable to fill that. Hole. Yeah, yeah, I think he could be serviceable. He's not going to be Shaq Barrett, especially right away. But you know, we got to remember, Shaq Barrett had years before he came here. You know, sitting behind some great defensive ends. And that's what I was about to say, that he, Cam Gill, maybe if he sits behind these guys, mm -hmm. JPP and Shaq Barrett, for another couple of years, mm -hmm. imagine what he could be. Yes. Okay, let's move on to the defensive line. We've got at defensive end, we had Ndamukong Sue, Khalil Davis, Jeremiah Ledbetter, and Benning Ptoea. Uh On the other side, we have William Golston, Pat O'Connor, Kobe Smith, and Quentin Bell. Kobe Smith, we re-signed to a futures contract. I think he was on our practice squad, but our lads had him uh, on the depth chart. So, And then at nose tackle, we had Vita Vea. Behind him was Raheem Nunez-Rojas, Steve McClendon, and Sam Renner. From 2019, the roster differed. We had lost Bo Allen at nose tackle. Where'd he go? Back to the Patriots? I think he went to the Patriots. And then this year, we added Khalil Davis, Jeremiah Ledbetter, Benning, Patoya, Kobe Smith, Quentin Bell, Steve McClendon, Sam Runner. <laughs> so all of our depth guys basically were new this year. Yeah, that's pretty Jeremy good. Ledbetter, wasn't he here? Jeremiah. 2019. Jeremiah, Jeremiah. Ledbetter. Jeremy. Did I say Jeremy? I might have said <laughs> I'm Jeremy. I'm in all kinds of Pearl Jam stuff. Jeremy <laughs> and Ledbetter. Um, we had this happen before. It's like deja vu all over again. Uh, no, I didn't. It might have been. Yeah, I think he played with San Francisco in 2019. Did he? Oh, that'll be a fact check follow-up. Our free agents this year are Sue, Steve McClendon, Raheem Nunez-Rojas, and Pat O'Connor. I would say the biggest storyline with this unit this year was that loss of Vita Vea against Chicago, mm -hmm. where he had the leg fracture. Yeah. And I think that that loss was actually the biggest story of the defense Mm -hmm. That whole year, because remember in the offseason last year, we were talking about how dominant our defense was going to be this year. And they were until we lost Vita. Mm -hmm. And it seemed like there was a stretch towards the middle of the year where everyone was tired. They weren't mm -hmm. necessarily performing up to par. And they really didn't hit again until the playoffs, I feel like. Yeah. And. I think it had a lot to do with Vita. Yeah, I mean, he's a huge, unique player. There's nobody, really nobody like him in the league. And he's just such a dominant, dominant player. I mean, between him and Sue, there's just nothing you can do. There's, there's nothing you can do on that front. You know, I mean, you have to go to the outside edges. And you have to worry about your quarterback because they're going to get to your quarterback and they're going to do it pretty fast. Uh, you know, like Vita Vey, he looks, he'd look, you know, he's so big and he moves, he doesn't really move fast, it doesn't look. But he can push, and I, I love pointing this out in the videos when I do them, you know, he pushes guys back into the lap of the quarterback in two and a half seconds, generally is his thing. And that that's just incredible. I mean, just push a guy straight back, two and a half seconds. You know, generally, if you give a quarterback three seconds, to me that's the – that's the cutoff. You know, anything after three seconds, your defensive line ain't doing good enough. Anything before three seconds, you got a good defensive line. And Vita's pushing, you know, these offensive linemen straight back into, you know, he, he's just big, he's fast, he's strong. And, uh, and nobody can stop him. You just can't stop him. To no. lose him was a huge blow. But I think uh, Nacho and McClendon did great filling in. You know, they didn't screw up. Yeah, I, and I think that was the best that you could ask for. So I want to show with Vita. So he only played five games. He had two sacks, three TFLs, three quarterback hits, and 10 tackles. Hmm. So Nacho had zero sacks all year. 
zero TFLs. And this was in 11 games he started. He played 16, but he started 11 in Vita's place. He had three quarterback hits. Vita got three in five games. Mm -hmm. So it was it's a, a stark contrast between the two. And Steve McClendon, you know, his was a, his stats weren't much better. He had zero sacks. He had two TFLs, and this was nine games he dressed for. And we traded for him. Did we trade for him? Mm. He was with the Jets. I think it was a trade, right? I don't remember. I think it was. Oh, another fact check. And then, you know, he had no, no quarterback hits. He did have 17 tackles. So there was that. But, the I mean, Vita is just so unique, and it's almost not even fair to compare these other guys yeah, to right. him. Yeah. Because I do think that Nacho and Steve McClendon both were serviceable at the position. I mean, it, they... I think our, our run defense definitely took a hit when he went out, but it wasn't terrible. I mean, no, teams no. were not averaging more than 100 yards against us. We were still the top, you know, in the top three for run defense. Or were we number we're one? Number one all okay. year. Yeah. Number one for run defense. So. By a lot, yeah. Yeah. I couldn't I thought we were fighting with some another. I, New Orleans, uh, New Orleans. Was right behind us. Right? Yeah, yeah. We might have flipped spots. Right, that's what Once I'm saying. Once during the season, but yeah. We ended up being like 20 yards per game in front of everybody as far as run defense goes. Yeah. Uh, Nacho and McClendon are both above average. You mm -hmm. know, I mean, they're not scrubs. They're both above average. They were just trying to replace elite, mm -hmm. you know. And they, they did great, you know, didn't, didn't make big mistakes, which to me that's, you know, that's – You've got you've got guys that make splash plays, but they make mistakes, and then you got guys that don't make mistakes, but they don't make splash plays. And then you got guys that don't make mistakes, and they make splash plays. You know, these guys were guys that didn't make mistakes, so you know they're above average. Uh, they, they did a great job filling in for Vita. You know, of course they can't be Vita. Nobody can be Vita. I, and I, but I talked about this. Uh, the beginning of the season before Vita got hurt, you know, that he's the one I expected to see the most out of this year. And he didn't live up to my expectations and he didn't in 2019 as well. You know, I really just expect him to be so dominant that when he's only three quarters dominant, I'm kind of let down, you know, you know, I wonder if it's like what the veterans do on the deal, like Sue and JPP, particularly towards the end of the season where they were just kind of chilling the first half of games. I mean, mm -hmm. they were doing what they were supposed to do, but they weren't exceeding, you know, th their job responsibilities. Mm -hmm. And then in the second half of games, they would kind of come on and just explode. So I wonder if that's with Vita, too, if like, he's like holding back a little bit. Yeah. Well, even in the Super Bowl, but, you know, he, he only... Let me see. He played. When did he come back? He came back in the playoffs. The first game against. Washington? I can't remember. I want to <laughs> say it was the second remember. game. How long has it been? It's been yeah, like a month. We're out of practice, too. I feel like on the podcast. I'm not in the rhythm yet. I'll get there. But Vita made some great plays, but he just wasn't as dominant as I wanted him to be. I just have so high expectations for him. I don't think he'll ever be able to reach it. Well, but I don't he, think that he was in game shape yet yeah. either. Well, I mean, he just came off a broken angle. Yeah. Yeah. The, I found this interesting. Pat O'Connor had the highest missed tackle percentage on the team. Now, granted, he only had 62 total snaps. But... If that included special teams, no, I would agree. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. No. <laughs> Damn. He had uh, three total missed tackles, which amounts to forty-two point nine percent of his. <laughs> I was like, whoa! Oof, the next highest on the team was sixteen point seven percent, and that yeesh. was a tie between Sean Murphy, Bunting, Kevin Minter, and Vita. Damn. Now, had he more snaps, that might have been a little different. Yeah. And plus, but, again, it's that's a totally subjective, yeah, metric. There, I mean, what do you what do you count as a missed tackle? You know, 
I mean, if you're if you dive for somebody's legs and you're ten feet away from them and you yeah you know, get well, their ankle, it was they called it an attempted tackle plus the actual tackles, and so that 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 number was the mm-hmm. denominator. Okay, numerator. Gotcha. Yeah, it's been a while since attempted that tackle. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. So we will see. But Pat is a free agent this year nacho steve mcclendon and sue so a large part of that you it looks like the only starters that well will golston and vita vea they're not free agents this year but everybody else and some of the the depth guys but i don't I, mm-hmm. i'm a big fan of sue i mean he's highly underrated i think you know because you know, because he doesn't get a lot of stats and all that good stuff. I mean, he's just and people he's don't want to like him, right? Yes. As a matter of fact, there was a Pro Football Focus guy that uh, put out a message saying that Sue got a Super Bowl ring and McCoy didn't, and he was like, "I just that just makes me feel icky." Which I'm like, "You're a grown fucking man." <laughs> Who uses using icky? the word icky? <laughs> That's what everybody said. But yeah. He, uh, you know, it's like, you know, yeah, Sue deserved it. I'm sorry, it's just Sue's the better player, if you ask me. But uh, you know, I I don't see anybody. You know, people have lists out about who we should retain in free agency, and everybody's just kind of not even considering Sue really. But I, I think he's vital. Yeah, you know, mainly because of his mentorship. The guy's a great mentor. Apparently, I mean, if you look on the sidelines, all the defensive line sits around Sue. You know, and, the, you know, when we watch these videos, you know, the, like in the current and stuff, they're always hanging around him and asking for advice. And like Will Golston, we always like to joke on him for that. You know, he follows him around like a puppy dog. And, you know, that's that's just vital. I mean, that's good stuff. And Sue is extremely intelligent. He's got a degree in architecture. He's got an architecture firm, a consulting firm. But he's also got like five different businesses and they're spread out very diversified he's got restaurant businesses he's got consulting businesses he's got uh his architecture firm he's got uh investment businesses he's just got you know the guys he's just really smart and he's not a uh he's not he's spending his money wisely and i think guys really respect that and that you know it helps these young guys out to not, you know, be foolish with their money or their time in the NFL. And mm-hmm. plus, you know, to keep themselves, their bodies right. Sue has never missed a game due to injury. That's just incredible. Incredible. And, you know, like he said after the Packers game that Aaron Rodgers wanted to talk to him. And he was like, look, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers knows my routine. I go, everybody knows my routine. After the game, I go and I get on the bike. And I ride the bike, and then after I get on the bike, I go and I do my therapy. You know, I think it's a ice bath or something. Yeah, ice bath or something like that. You know, so the guy he keeps care of his body is like Brady. You know, they're just very hyper focused on keeping care of their body, and that's what you want these you know our team to learn, especially these young guys in the secondary and the the defensive line. You know, take care of yourself. This is and take care of your money. Mm -hmm. Be grown ups about this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think Sue is great for that. I don't want to see him go. Uh, Nacho and McClendon don't know if they're going to be able to stay. I really don't. I'd like to see. I'd like to see everybody stay. But being honest, I don't know. You know, they're they're from a Super Bowl team. They got snaps. Mm-hmm. You know, they 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 played all year. You know, somebody's probably going to want to pay them more money than we're going to be willing to pay. Mm-hmm. Them. Yeah, they can go and maybe get a starting job. Where they're definitely not going to get one here. Right. You know. So, all right, let's move on to our linebackers. Um, Pretty much everyone but Devin White is a free agent. Yeah. Which is frightening. We've got Devin White behind him, Kevin Minter, and then Levante, Jack Sitchie, and Dayon Buchanan. So the only one not a free agent is Devin. Sitchie's a free agent? Yeah. Dang. I know. Crap. Yeah. Didn't have him listed. This is going to be a tough one, tough one, tough one. Uh, Levante David, man. Okay. I want to talk about Levante because when I put all their snaps to or their their stats together, Devin White 
completely blew by Levante, like in every metric. For instance, sacks. Levante had one and a half all year. Devin White had nine. Mm. Uh, TFLs, Levante had 12. Devin White had 15. Mind you, Levante played all 16 games. Devin White did not. So Levante had 99.34% of the snaps, whereas Devin White had 93.23%. So it's like a six percentage point difference. Quarterback hits, Levante had three. Devin White had 16. Hmm. Tackles, Levante had 117. Devin White had 140. Hmm. So that is not to disparage Levante in any way because... Any Buccaneer fan will tell you Levante is a vital part of our team. Everyone loves Levante. We've watched Levante since he got drafted. We love Levante. Huge Levante David fan. Yeah. But the... I think that's the only jersey I've got from the ugly jersey era of the Buccaneers is a Levante No, David. No, this was the, before the alarm clock numbers. I think your jersey is pre that. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it, no, I've, yeah, I've got a Mike Evans alarm clock number one, but yeah. it's, a, it's a reverse color. The inverted so, one, yeah. yeah. Cool. So, you know, Levante and Joe Buck's fan is reporting that the Browns really want Levante. I, you know, his market value. Spot Rack has his market value of twelve point seven million. Goodness, but I'm just like we, you know. We are in dire straits, and I love Levante. I absolutely want Levante to come back. I think that him and Devin White have a good relationship. I'm not certain that Devin White is ready necessarily to lead a defense completely. But I'm like, I don't, you know, is Levante going to take less money to stay? I would think yes, but I, I don't know. So I don't know. What do you think? Do we? Do you think Levante's coming back? Is he going to be a cap casualty? <laughs> I tell you, this is uh, this is a, this is a tough one. It hurts. It hurts my soul. This one does. It really does. I have I have wrestled with this. I do not want to see Levante gone. Do not want to. I mean, he's been a part of this team for a decade, you know, and it's been really the only shining light on this defense for a long time, mm-hmm. and he's you know, didn't get the credit he deserved from the rest of the league. You know, you had uh, Keekley who was just sucking up all the attention of the NFC with linebackers. You know, he would get all the stats. And, you know, well, actually, Levante would have better stats, but Kiki would get all the attention. And, you know, Levante just quietly just sat there and took it and, you know, just kept soldiering every day, every year. But, man... You know, honestly, on my list of free agents we need to sign, he's he's not up there. You know, he's you know, he, might, he might be in the top five, but yeah, yeah. You know, I just I would say he's at bottom of the top tier. Yeah. yeah. So he's definitely top tier, but not a prior, and he could be one of the first casualties. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't want it to happen. I do not want it to happen. I I want them to keep everybody on this team, mm-hmm. and they're. You know, we got the the best salary cap guy in the league, I think. So, you know, he's going to do some wheeling and dealing and some magic and keep as many people as possible. But, mm-hmm. you know, Levante had that, you know, starting in week 12 against Kansas City Chiefs, he had that horrible, horrible game where, you know, I was concerned about his mental well-being. I, thought, I was like, there was something, something was bothering him. And then it continued on after the bye week. There was a couple, you know, like three – string of three or four games where he was just not he, he it was almost like he was, didn't want to be there i don't know what was going on with him you know personal issues in his life or whatever but his on-field performance was just not good and if i saw you know the coaches saw it and you know with you know if he's going to come up and ask for 13 million a year you know they're not they're not going to do that mm-hmm and when they've drafted someone at his position, that's their guy who is a a leader on the defense. I'm not going to yeah. say he's the leader, but, you know, that they're essentially grooming him for that mm-hmm. role. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's basically taken over Levante's spot. Mm-hmm. 
It's a good one-two punch we have with those guys. But yeah. Honestly, you know, Kevin Minter came in and filled in very well, you know, when Devin White was out. And, you know, I mean, I hate, I hate it. I really hate it, but I would not be surprised if Levante David is not a Buccaneer next year. It wouldn't surprise me. It depressed me, but it's not going to surprise me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Just the nature of the be- the business being what it is. Yeah. You know, we all know how this works. We've all seen guys. It almost feels like every year there's one of those guys. Now, I will say, for me, there's never been a guy like Levante that I've had to see walk. Mm. You know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah. it will. It will just break my heart to watch yeah. Levante walk. Or go yeah, to another see him team. play in the, the, the Browns uniform. I know. Like, yeah. I'm with you. Uh, but I guess if he's going to go somewhere, the Browns are a good spot because you know they're they're like our siblings in the AFC. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. The free agency starts on the 17th, so we got two weeks from today. The legal tampering period starts on the 15th, so we'll kind of get a gander for how it's going to work out. And I think that the clubs can start negotiating with their with their. Well, yeah, that's the legal tampering period. So. I would just so much like to see Levante David retire as a Buccaneer, get put mm-hmm. up in the Ring of Honor, and you know, if anybody deserves it, it's him. You know, he's he's been a stalwart on some crappy, crappy teams for the Buccaneers, and you know, he's never complained, never. Yeah. <laughs> you know, even when he wasn't making Pro Bowls, you know, he's just like, well, I have to go out and do my job, and he's done his job for so well for so long. Gosh, I will. I'll, I'll be depressed. I'll be depressed for a couple weeks. Yeah, it's going to be hard. It but will. I could see it happening. Yes. Yeah. You know, even on my own list, as much as I love Levante, you know, there's there's guys that we need to keep. <sighs> oh, I hate saying that. It's <laughs> sick to my stomach. Okay, we're going to go over this more in our free agency preview. So okay. we'll talk. It. That's going to be our next show. But I do want to mention coverage among the linebackers it feels like it improved a lot this year but remember last year mm-hmm. where they were yeah, just bad. not yeah it was pretty bad i think I, I, I tallied it up at one point it was like 30 percent of all uh passes were due to linebackers not covering or all completions were due to linebackers not covering correctly yeah and i so this year i'm just curious what you think was it the system changed or did they improve in their coverage or was it that you know the outside linebackers were dropping back in coverage Mm -hmm. as opposed to the the linebacker i don't know what what do you think Yeah, yeah we did play somewhat different system this year a little bit more complex uh you know and we we had the linebackers both inside and outside doing more uh, different things. But, yeah, I think it was just they, you know, they, they understood their role better in coverage. Like the first time, like week 12 when Levante covered Kelsey in the Kansas City game, he just got torched and just torched. And then in the Super Bowl, he was just dominating Kelsey. I mean, he had three batted balls that I counted, you know, where Kelsey would – Go to catch it, and Devontae just pop up. Hey, nope, bam, <laughs> nope, bam. I was like, "Damn, David is killing it." Man. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that their 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 coverage skills they just worked on them. Yeah. Interesting. And, and with a combination of that and Bulls, you know, using them differently. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right, let's go to the cornerbacks. We have. Carlton Davis, Ross Cockrell, and John Franklin III. And we also have Jamel Dean, Sean Murphy Bunting, and Ryan Smith. Ryan Smith. Oh, no. I know. Oh, no. In 2019, we had MJ Stewart, so lost him this year, and Mazzy Wilkins, which I think he was on the practice squad some this year and got cut. And then uh, Sean Murphy Bunting was listed as the starting right cornerback last year. Hmm. So this year he was behind Jamel Dean. Our free agents are Ryan Smith and Ross Cockrell. So let's talk briefly about this. Ryan Smith uh had no snaps at corner, but 
He is our special teams stud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's been doing special teams for what five years or something. What do you, What do you do? Are we re-signing him? Uh, you know, that's that's the thing with these guys. You know, they won a Super Bowl. You know, they're all gonna, yeah. you know, be able to get signed somewhere. So you know, it wouldn't surprise me if Cockrell and, and Ryan Smith both get contracts to be a starter somewhere. Yeah. Cockrell, I think, is less likely, but Ryan Smith, I think. I don't know that Ross Cockrell, he played well. Yeah, he did play well. But he, I think he's just a young guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, you know, so I, I don't but, know. I mean, you've got a lot of teams out there that are just desperate. I mean, look at the Jets, you know, look at the Jaguars. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of teams that are just desperate. And they'll see Ross Cockrell, they'll see, you know, they would the, the, their first place to go to will be the Super Bowl teams, you know, the playoff teams. And they'll scour all the free agents and they'll look at it and they'll, they'll say, Ross Cockrell, okay, who is this guy? They'll look at the game film and be like, oh, he's pretty good. reason why he didn't make it as a starter is because they had Carlton Davis and Jamal Dean and, you know, Sean Murphy bunting. So, you know, he's up in that level. So, you know, they'll probably sign him for some good money. That's, that's the sucky thing about us having all these free agents is, you know, the rest of the team is wanting to pick this team apart. Mm. You know, they're wanting to vulture. So, you know, all these guys are going to get offered good money. And that's what, that's what I was said at the, after the Super Bowl. I was like, you know, Sue is really going to be, to me, the, uh, the, the canary in the coal mine. You know, if Sue decides to go somewhere else for more money, then we'll probably see a lot of our free agents do that. But if Sue decides to stay here, you know, for the same amount or less money, then that'll be a good indicator that we're going to keep a lot of our guys because they want to stay on this team. You know, Sue's a mercenary. He's a headhunter. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't, you know, he's going to go to whoever, or that's what he's done his whole career. Whoever gives him the most money, you don't care. Yeah. But we didn't last year. It seemed like he took less to stay. Right. Will this be his third year with us? Wow. Yeah. Sure will be. That's wow. crazy. What? What? <laughs> so he's in two years here. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. Okay. Ryan cool. Smith, though, you know, I I don't know about him. He, you know, he it, this was probably his worst year. It wasn't horrible by any means, but you know, I mean, normally on special teams, he's just great. And this year, you know, he was kind of eh. he was he's still our best special teams player. Yeah. But, you know, he wasn't as outstanding as he has been the past few years. I want to talk about this was the craziest stat that stood out to me on in this unit was Carlton Davis. He missed three games. Do you remember why? I cannot Mm, remember. Hamstring. I don't know. Injury. Yeah, some kind of injury. He only had 14 starts. And he had 18 of the 70 passes defended for the whole defense. So that was 25.7% of hmm. the team's total Damn. passes defended. He got. Now, for comparison, so he had 18. Jamel Dean had seven. And Sean Murphy Bunting had three. Damn, what? Yeah. That don't <laughs> like, seem right. I know. Isn't that crazy? Hmm. So it was a huge, and then Carlton also had four interceptions to Sean Murphy Bunting's one and Jamel Dean's one. Now, again, this is the regular season, not including yeah. the postseason. So. Uh, and Carlton did have 85% of the snaps. Sean Murphy Bunting had 82, almost 83. And then Jamel Dean had 66, so a third of the snaps. Hmm. So Carlton just was by far our most productive corner. Yeah, and I hated it in that week 12 game when he was getting burned by little number 10. Yeah. And everybody was like coming down on Carlton Day. <laughs> so I, I like, know. You know. Yeah, it. I mean, really stats-wise, like it wasn't even close between everybody hmm. in that unit. But I will say, and I've made this point before, what would we have thought about Sean Murphy Bunting had we not gone to the playoffs right. and he took off? So I want to go over those stats because it's just ridiculous. He had three interceptions in the playoffs. He only had one during the regular season 
in 17 games. That's crazy. He had five passes defended. He had three during the regular season. 19 tackles, 15 solo, and four assists. And then he had one TFL in the playoffs, which he had three all season. Dang. Yeah, he stepped it up, man. Yeah. So uh, it was just, uh, it was, uh, it's just so crazy to me to think about. Yeah. We would have been like, yeah, we can get rid of him. Yeah. No we need to upgrade there. Now we're like, we don't know. Let's yeah. make sure we keep this guy. <laughs> don't let him go. And I do, again, just want to say that. Jason Light has built this unit from the ground up. So kudos to him. Mm. And I just think about those drafts where everyone was freaking out when he took three defensive backs like right in a row. I think this was two drafts ago and everyone was losing their damn minds. Yeah, Levante David is the only non-like player on this team. Really? Jason Light, yeah. What? How crazy is that? Wow. I'm trying to this think is, of another. You're, yeah, you're completely right. This is Jason like team Jason from the Lights. ground up. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yep. Okay, let's go to safeties, and then we'll run through special teams. I know we're getting close on time here. We had at strong safety Antoine Winfield Jr. Behind him, Mike Edwards and Javon Hagen. And then at free safety, we had Jordan Whitehead and Andrew Adams. In 2019, Mike Edwards was a starter. And we also had Darian Stewart. Remember him? He was kind of a depth guy. He was an older. Mm -hmm. I think he had come from the Chargers. So we lost him in 2020. Um. I don't really have much to say about this group besides Antoine Winfield Jr. was just a freaking oh gold mine. Uh, I know. Mean, that dra- well, I can't wait to see what, you know, we don't care about the draft normally, but I am excited to see this draft class because I just think Jason Light is just such an amazing, I don't know, they're the, our whole scouting department is just incredible yeah. and I don't know anything about college, so I'm glad that there's a competent, we have a competent group that, you know, they find these. Yeah, yeah. Anton Winfield Jr. is going to be a, a very, very good Buccaneer player for a long time. And the guy's playing. He's a rookie, and he's out there doing stuff. You don't even see veterans doing. You're like, wow, man, this guy really understands the game. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I said this a few years ago. I said, Vita Vea. Getting Vita Vea drafting him made up for anything Jason Light ever did. He could he could he could tank for the rest of his career. To me, just getting Vita Vea, the guy is that special. And uh, but you know to get Antoine Winfield, I mean, what was anybody even looking at this guy? I don't and know. Get him, and he's you know he's a top level safety in his I, rookie year. I know he was just incredible. He played 97% of the snaps. He had 1,034 snaps. And he's always got that Ricky. smile on his face, man. I know. What do you call him, smile. Mighty Mouse? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's got these stockies. He's always grinning. Yeah. He had 94 tackles, Damn. which was 20 more than Jordan Whitehead. Jordan Whitehead had 74. And they both started the same number of games, but Jordan only got 86% of the snaps. Hmm. And then he had six passes defended, whereas Jordan had four. He had four quarterback hits. Jordan had three. So they were they were pretty close stat-wise. Although Antoine had one TFL. Jordan Whitehead had nine. Hmm. It must have been the way that they were using him yeah, would yeah. be my guess. But yeah. so, so out of, out of those guys, only Andrew Adams is free agent, right? Oh, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. I think I forgot to look up the free agents in that unit. <laughs> I forgot about that part. It's all right. I got you covered. Cool. It's Andrew Adams. Thanks. Triple A. Triple A. I liked, you know, I liked him, so I would like to see him back, but maybe we'll draft somebody there, which I'm completely fine with also. <laughs> and I will say Mike Edwards, although he only got 188 snaps. I was very impressed with him, and I know he was kind of downgraded from 2019 when he was a starter, but uh, I every time he was in, I mean, he made a lot of plays. Yeah, He had five passes defended. 
uh, you know, Antoine had six, Jordan Whitehead had four, he had five in a fraction of the snaps. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he, he made good play. He had two interceptions. That's how many Jordan Whitehead had also, right. you know, so I, I like our depth there. I'm very pleased with yes, that whole unit. Concur. Okay, let's move on to special teams, which is very sad because Ryan Suckup is a free agent. Mm, I know. <laughs> Our kicker. Yeah. I want to look at the stats. Of course, you know, the Bucks have had this kicking curse for years, and it appears that Since we've Matt Ryan. broken it. Or, uh, Matt Bryant. Matt Bryant. Yeah. yeah. Who's playing with Matt Ryan, or did play with Matt mm -hmm. Ryan. So, Ryan Suckup was just a ray of sunshine <laughs> in this cloudy part of Buccaneers history. The He had 52 extra points out of 57 he made, so that was 91% of his extra points. 28 of 31 field goals, so that was 90%. He averaged 8.5 points a game and scored a total of 136 points for the Buccaneers. As a comparison, Matt Gay last year made, don't do it. Don't, well, you know, I just want to see where mm. we improved. So he, Matt Gay made 43 of 48 extra points. So that was 89.5%. So that was close. But where Ryan Suckup just blew by Matt Gay was in the field goal percentage. Matt Gay made 27 of 35. So that was only 77%. So we went from 75 77% success rate with field goals to 90%. Yeah. So that's really the difference. Huge difference. And, you know, Ryan Suckup, you know, he's, he's going to ask for more money, of course. He should. Yeah. And <laughs> Pay you know, he, him. Pay he, the man. <laughs> he didn't miss really a single field goal or extra point when it mattered. Mm -hmm. And he didn't miss any in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. You know, so you're like, eh, you know, I think we can kick him a couple extra million dollars. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, you know, if it's between him and re-signing Antonio Brown, I'm going with suck up. Absolutely. No question. His success rate of 90.3% ranked second in franchise history to Connor Barth, 92.9% in mm -hmm. 2011. This season, Ryan was named NFC Special Teams Player of the Week twice, uh, which made him the first Buccaneer ever to do that. Hmm. And then his 94.7% field goal percentage mark inside of 40 yards is the sixth best among kickers with at least 250 attempts since 1991 when they started tracking that. Hmm. So... Uh, I'd say we got to bring this man back. The okay, punting. We Ryan or Bradley Pinion is our punter. He was here in 2019, and he actually, in some metrics, went down performance-wise this year. So his kickoff. Touchbacks on the kickoff. So his percentage in 2019 was 90.7% of his kickoffs were touchbacks. Mm -hmm. This year, only 85%. Hmm. So is that because they're running them out? I don't know. Could be. Yeah, all it takes is a, one or two teams to, to run it out five yards deep in the end zone, whereas most teams will just let it bounce and then, you know, it changes. Yeah, that's yeah. that's what Bradley Pinion brings to the table is he kicks that ball in the end zone. I know. He rarely I know, 90%, that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> and 85%, that's not even that bad. His kickoff yards did increase this year. He had 6,303 in 2019, and this year it's 6,477. So that increased by 170. Hmm. Uh, and then his punt yards increased. Last year was 2,464. This year, 2,486. So 22 yards more this year. Hmm. Well, I'll be done. Jaden Mickens is up for. Wait, I was. Yeah, hold on. Okay. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm gonna get to that but first i want to talk about our holder ryan griffin he's oh. a free agent this year oh no we got to keep Ryan. Oh, no. i know remember all the kicks we were like oh is that is who it? did we have as holder before didn't we have somebody different Ah. Oh yeah, yeah. Bradley Pinion was la was the holder last year. Oh, so Bradley Pinion's been the holder for all these years that yeah. we've sucked at kicking. And and I know. And now it's been Ryan Griffin this year, but mm. he's a free agent. So do you bring him back just to be just the holder? Be <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering, like, we uh remember one day Sean Murphy Bunting did it and he said he closed his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe he could do it. Maybe that's who we could get to do it. All right. Now we can talk about Jaden Mickens. Um, Jaden was our punt and kick returner this year. We, we had TJ Logan listed at that position mm-hmm. before he got hurt in practice. So, And then Antonio Brown returned a few yeah. after we signed him, but then they decided not to do that, which really surprised me. I thought they I were going to have him as the uh, kick returner. I think they didn't want to risk it. I don't know, man. When you got such a stacked wide receiver room, yeah, that's true. But it is Antonio Brown. Yeah, like you kind of need that threat, I think. Um, so I don't, you know. Again, I think our return game is a big question mark. Who knows what's going to happen there? Yeah, not really happy with that. And Jade Mickens, I like him. Here's why I like him. <laughs> I'll tell you, is because when we do the kneel downs, he's sometimes the running back i don't know why they do that they'll have him as, as the running back when we do the kneel downs at the end of the game mm-hmm. and he'll always do a little pose <laughs> when they snap the ball you know it's funny uh so you know he endears me there because it's just different it's a uh, unique a style yeah i got some style to him <laughs> and uh but as far as the punt returner I, i'm just not a big fan of him you know, he, he's got the happy feet back there. He doesn't make the best decisions, if you ask me. But Well, I don't think he's helped out by the rest of the guys no, there either. Yeah. Maybe now that we've gotten our kick game kind of figured out, they can maybe focus on the return game. Yeah. That would be my thought. Hopefully. That's our one weak spot. Right. But like I said, you know, all these free agents, they're going to be getting offers from other teams, you know. Yeah. So. And how how much they want to stay and win another Super Bowl is going to be the big question. Okay, that's all I got, Ralph. All right. Well, it's over an hour. I had some news. You had news too, didn't you? No. No? Okay. Let me see if there's anything we really need to cover. If not, I'll go ahead and just wrap this up. Well, we're also going to do one later in the week on free agency, probably this weekend. Oh, I did have a some small things. Uh, Ali Marpet was selected as the Buccaneers Ed Block Courage Award recipient. Okay. Okay. Uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves on March 1st officially replaced the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as the team with the worst all-time winning percentage in American yeah. sports. Losing? All-time Losers. Losing. <laughs> you said all-time winning percentage. Oh, all-time. <laughs> worst all-time winning. Oh, worse. Okay, I missed that word. Okay. Uh, Sources are saying Disney and the NFL reach a broad agreement on a new media rights deal that will see ESPN renew Monday Night Football and ABC will return to the Super Bowl rotation for the first time since 2006. What? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Interesting little thing. It's from a quirky research. In 1983, the winningest quarterback in Super Bowl history checked into Louisiana Hospital using an assumed name. That quarterback was Terry Bradshaw, and he went into the hospital in 1983 under the name of Thomas Brady. That is so crazy. How crazy is that? <laughs> now, I'm not 100% this is true, but everybody was tweeting it out. You know, the mm. Rappaport and all those guys are like, what? Nuts. So, yeah. Just found that very interesting. I wonder if that's his dad. Imagine if I mean, it, it could work out. I'm sure there's some math there that you could look into. If Terry Bradshaw was his dad? Yeah. Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, 
Former Buccaneer Adam Humphreys was released by the Titans. Mm, So that was interesting. That was a sad one. I was sad to see him go. That was probably, Mm -hmm. you know, we were talking about Levante earlier. Um, Adam Humphreys is probably the number one. uh, 1A and 1B would be Adam Humphreys and Carl Nassib. Mm -hmm. For me, the ones that kind of were upsetting. But none would compare to... Levante. Yeah, yeah. That's going to be a tough one. If it happens, hopefully it won't. Uh, Vincent Jackson, we had talked about his service in the last podcast, and we had heard nothing about it. As soon as we got finished with the podcast, we found out that his service was (laughs) held that day. It was a private service, not open to the public. It wasn't announced until after the service was done. His uh, body was cremated. So there's that. Tough stuff, man. I hate that. Hope we... uh, I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know if I want to know what happened or if I just want to just go. Because, I, you know, I don't want to taint his memory. Mm-hmm. I really don't. Such mm-hmm. a good guy. Uh, Xbox Keller Winslow is facing 14 years for assault. This is uh, more stuff tacking on to his. Is this a new one? No, it's he did a plea bargain and he got some of the charges reduced. So now instead of it. Him facing multiple life sentences, <laughs> it's you know, uh-huh. he's looking at about 14 years. Uh, it's it's been delayed because of COVID, gotcha. so his his trial is coming up. Uh, I want to say May. So, anyhow, okay, that's it. That is all I'm going to talk about for news. I've got a bunch of other stuff, but we definitely do not have time for some of this stuff i want to talk about we'll have to save it for another podcast basically it's me bitching about the media so oh okay <laughs> yeah, cool we'll stuff. save that for the next yeah. one yeah we'll do our own show again we do that about once every off season yeah about the media. <laughs> all right guys man you know this is this has been a great thing and you know molly pointed this out to me that we you know we're right up now we're you know, all of a sudden we're in free agency you know it's coming normally mm-hmm. we have quite a bit of time between the end of the season and free agency and stuff but now it's right here mm-hmm. and we're like how did this happen oh here's how it happened we had four extra games tacked on to the end of the season normally you know by november we're circling dates for free agency and not really uh, that concerned with the season so much as we are what players and coaches we're going to keep but this one you know it was all up until february we were playing in february and, and winning. Yeah, we got that's what that's what I love about the playoffs. You get them extra games. So uh, you know, here it is. They had the Super Bowl. There was we took a little bit of rest with the podcast, and then it's like all of a sudden we're like, whoa, everything's getting ready to happen again. Mm-hmm. So no 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 rest for the wicked. Is that how it goes? Speak for yourself. Uh so we are gonna have a Buccaneers free agency podcast probably towards the end of the week this weekend. And then next week, we should have three shows. We are going to do the Know Your Enemy free agency edition for all of our division opponents. So that'll be fun. Yeah, we got to cram all that stuff in because free agency is coming right around the corner. Coming up. Yeah. All right, guys. Enjoy this Super Bowl win, man. Let's just ride it out all year long. Last year sucked for any number of reasons, but the football season was great. (laughs) <laughs> Let's mm-hmm. you know keep that positivity going, and we'll uh, we'll do it again next year. We are the team to beat by a lot, by a long shot. I mean, even if well, I can't say even if all these free agents leave, yeah, if a lot of them leave, we're still going to be the team to beat in the league. So uh, you know, everybody's going to be trying to emulate us. Everybody's going to be talking about us. We're going to get what five primetime games again. And this year we're we're not going to be using them as preseason games mm-hmm. like we did last year. So hey, be happy. Just wear wear your Bucks gear proud and keep a smile on your face, man. Stay positive. Love it. All right. Till next time. Go Bucks. <laughs>